But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief, in which the heavens shall pass away with great violence, and the elements shall be melted with heat, and the earth and the works which are in it shall be burnt up. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Once again, the church places the end of the world before our eyes. Last week, we considered the spiritual condition of the seven churches of the apocalypse, the commendations and condemnations issued by our Lord, precisely so that those hearing them or reading them could prepare themselves for the judgments of God. We gave some historical details in order to more clearly understand our Lord's psalm warnings, but that sermon was not meant to be a historical exercise. It's not a historical exercise. Those churches symbolize different states of soul. We live in very serious times, and we have to be ready. We know not the day nor the hour, but we have to be ready. So the purpose of that sermon was for each one of us to take stock and pick which church represents him individually and then prepare himself accordingly. Each one of us should ask, where do I fit? I fit in Ephesus. Even though I'm living a good Catholic life and avoiding purity, have I cooled from my first fervor? Have I grown weary in doing good deeds? Do I belong in Smyrna? I've suffered and been persecuted for my faith, but I've been living a rock-solid, authentically Catholic life for years. Do I fit in Pergamos? I'm basically living a good Catholic life, but perhaps I haven't completely won the battle with temperance. Maybe I'm not careful with my thoughts or my eyes, the way I dress or carry myself. Or maybe I'm not married, but I'm not careful to avoid being too familiar with someone I'm interested in, passionate kissing or worse. Maybe I've fallen into looking at pornography. Maybe I'm not real careful about the TV and the movies I watch, and I just tell myself, well, it won't really be that bad, and if it is, I'll just look away. Or maybe I party just a little, listen to rock and roll or rap. Maybe I belong in Thyatira. I'm working at my faith. It's growing. But I still might have a few superstitious practices left over from my wilder days that I haven't rooted out yet totally. Or maybe I haven't mortified my curiosity. And I read things I shouldn't read, especially about false religions or the occult. Maybe I belong in Sardis. I'm in mortal sin. Basically, that's how I spend my life. Maybe I belong in Philadelphia. I'm living an authentic Catholic life. I'm a relatively new convert, or by the grace of God, I've recently received the grace to get serious about my faith, and I'm just learning everything I can and working as hard as I can to become a saint, but I have to admit that I haven't really been put to the test yet. Or maybe belong in Laodicea. I'm lukewarm, half-hearted about my spiritual life. Sure, I'd like to live a good life, but it's easier to just kind of coast along and hope for the best. Which one fits me? If I'm being brutally honest, where would I place myself? If I'm not living an authentically Catholic life, if I'm not keeping the commandments and living in the state of grace, it's time to get serious. I better repent and confess everything before it's too late. Okay, so much for the review. 
Let's get started. Today we're going to look at upcoming events and Judgment Day. We'll start by considering the solemn warning from the judge himself. Listen carefully. Quote, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and care of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a snare. For it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Watch at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Close quote, God the Son. Tells us to watch at all times. To watch. There are certain things that must come to pass before the final judgment. Catechism of the Council of Trent, quote, The general judgment will be preceded by these three principal signs. The preaching of the gospel throughout the world, a falling away from the faith, and the coming of the Antichrist. Close quote. Considering the time, we'll only make a few remarks. We'll look at the last two signs, a falling away from the faith and the coming of the Antichrist. First, a falling away from the faith. This refers to the great apostasy foretold by St. Paul in the second chapter of his second epistle to Thessalonians. See, the last age of the world, which we're living in, started with the incarnation of our Lord, his first coming, when our Lord comes in mercy as a little baby. It will end with the last judgment, his second coming, when our Lord comes again in justice to judge the living and the dead and the world through fire. In between those two times is the time of mercy. We're living in a time of mercy. The end is justice. In the beginning of the last age of the world in which we live, There was a remarkable phenomenon. The Jews, who had the true religion, rejected it. They went into apostasy. And the Gentiles, all those nations that were locked in the darkness of paganism, left their pagan gods, the devils, and came to the true religion, embraced Christ our Lord. But there's a symmetry. At the end of the world, the Gentile nations will reject the true religion and return to their pagan gods, the devils. And then during the persecution of the Antichrist, the Jews will convert. So that's the great apostasy, the Gentile peoples leaving Catholicism and returning to their pagan roots. And anyone with eyes to see can see the Gentile nations turning back to paganism. It's all around us. We're witnessing the paganization of the church and society. We've got front row seats to everything becoming pagan right before our eyes, and it's happening fast. The popes have been warning us for over a hundred years. We've got examples right up through Pope John Paul II. We've gone through them all, a bunch of them on previous occasions. Today we'll just consider a few examples. Pope Leo XIII directly addressed this topic on at least six occasions that I'm aware of. For example, in his 1897 encyclical on devotion to the Holy Ghost, Leo XIII stated, quote, Those dark times seem to have come, which were foretold by St. Paul, in which men, blinded by the just judgment of God, should take falsehood for truth 
and should believe in the prince of this world who is a liar and the father thereof as a teacher of truth. God shall send them the operation of heirs to believe lying. Second Thessalonians 2.10 In the last time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to spirits of error and the doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 4.1 Close quote, the vicar of Christ. In his first encyclical in 1903, Pope St. Pius X returned to this topic. Quote, Who can fail to see that society is at the present time more than in any past age, suffering from a terrible and deeply rooted malady which developing every day and eating into its innermost being is dragging it to destruction. You understand, venerable brethren, what this disease is, apostasy from God. When all this is considered, there is good reason to fear lest this great perversity may be, as it were, a foretaste and perhaps the beginning of those evils which are reserved for the last days. Close quote, the vicar of Christ. We could keep going on and on. We'll close with one final comment made by Cardinal Carl Waitila shortly before becoming Pope. Quote, We are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has gone through. I do not think that wide circles of the American society or wide circles of the Christian community realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church of the gospel versus the anti-gospel, close quote. And yes, he said the final confrontation. So it's well within the boundaries of prudence to conclude that we're living in the great apostasy. Precisely where? We don't know. We don't know. But we must watch at all times. Second sign, the coming of the Antichrist. In his 1905 book on the Antichrist, cited by the great Father Fahey, the Jewish convert and priest, Father Augustine Lehman, lists things that are certain about the Antichrist. These are things that are certain. The Antichrist will be a man, not Satan in human form. He'll be a man with great powers of seduction owing to certain personal qualities. The beginning of the Antichrist career will be lowly and obscure, but he will increase in power and make conquests until he has worldwide rule. The Antichrist will wage a terrible war against God and the church. He will prohibit Christian teaching and make teaching of error obligatory. The Antichrist will seek to prove that he is God by means of diabolical prodigies that are so amazing that they will seduce the masses. Diabolical prodigies are things that appear to be miracles but are done by the power and workings of Satan. The domination and persecution of the Antichrist will be temporary and he will be destroyed. Obviously, the Antichrist is not in power yet. But we can see clear foreshadowings in terms of prohibiting Christian teaching and teaching error. Why do we have homeschooling? This has already started in Canada, and it's already gearing up here with this whole idea of hate speech concerning certain perversions. And it sure doesn't take a prophet to see that we're going to have a persecution of some sort. So how are we supposed to handle that? What are we supposed to do? Do our duty in our state and life? Keep the commandments 
stay in the state of grace. We have to make fervent communions like we've never made before. We have to. We have to. I was talking to an exorcist Friday night. We had a long phone conversation talking about the absolutely unbelievable, unreal level of demonic activity. It's never been like this before. It's a tidal wave. We can't leave any open doors. No open doors. No serious sin. No habits of sin. None. Does everybody understand why we try to get you to confession? We have to confess every serious sin. We have to forgive our enemies. We can't leave any open doors or the devils will be in. The essential thing to keep in mind is if we're protected by the precious blood, we can make it. That means we have to stay in the state of grace and keep the commandments. But by doing that, we will come under attack. The most painful attacks will come from our own friends and family. We will be attacked by friends, family members, the world. After all, what happened to our Lord? A friend betrayed him with a kiss. That was a friend. Another friend denied him three times. Those were his friends. What about all the people that he cured, that he cast the demons out of? When he was dragged in front of Pontius Pilate, not one of them said anything in his defense. They were standing there in that crowd. They watched as he was judged. They watched as he took up his cross and started towards Golgotha. They were the ones he had helped. But even in the face of such monstrous ingratitude, our Lord forgave them. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He forgave them. He expects us to do the same. Come what may, we need to remember that Jesus is alive. He sees everything. He'll be there and so will Our Lady. She'll protect us, but we have to do our part and just plain flat stay in the state of grace, stay in the boundaries of the law, do our duty in our state of life, keep the commandments. So before Judgment Day, there'll be the great apostasy, the domination, persecution, the Antichrist, but he'll be destroyed. Sometime after that comes the Judgment Day, the last day. The day begins with fire falling from heaven. Cornelius Lapide says that because the world is a kind of temple created for the honor and worship of God, and because it's been so polluted by the innumerable sins of men and demons, it should be thoroughly cleansed. And this will be done by means of fire. St. Thomas says that all men will die. Quote, Indeed, all men, whether good or evil, shall perish and be reduced to ashes. But the good, in whom there is nothing to purge, shall suffer no pain, while the evil shall be terribly tortured. The good, in whom there is something to be purged, will suffer more or less pain depending on their merits, just as happens in the fires of purgatory, close quote. That's because purgatory ends on the last day. So everybody that's alive up to that point in time, if they have purgatory time coming, they get it right like that.
From this point, we'll follow St. Alphonsus, and as we do that, we'll use this picture of the Last Judgment from the Sistine Chapel as a visual aid. It's really incredible, uh, although some of them need some more clothes. St. Alphonsus, after the death of all men, the trumpet will sound and all will rise again. We can see this in the very middle of the picture, below our Lord, and right above the crucifix on the altar, there's a group of angels blowing their trumpets. On the lower left, we can see the resurrection of the dead as they come up out of the graves, coming up out of their burial shrouds, the dead coming forth at the sound of the trumpet. St. Alphonsus. Oh, how great will be the difference between the bodies of the just and the bodies of the damned. The just will appear brilliant, more beautiful and more resplendent than the sun. How great then will be the happiness of those who have practiced mortification of the flesh. But on the other hand, the bodies of the damned will appear black and hideous and will send forth an intolerable stench. Oh, how great the pain of the damned in taking possession of their bodies. A cursed body, the soul will say, to indulge you, I've brought myself to perdition. After the resurrection, the angels have summoned them to appear in the valley of Josephat, that there they might be judged. When the whole human race will be assembled, the angels will come and separate the reprobate from the elect. The just will stand on the right, and the wicked will be driven to the left. How great would be the pain that you would feel at being driven out of a pleasurable party, but how much greater will be the pain of those that are banished from the society of saints. The brother shall be separated from the brother. The son will be separated from his father. The mother will be separated from her children. Husband will be separated from his wife. But behold, the heavens are opened. The angels come to assist at the general judgment, carrying the sign of the cross and other instruments of the passion of our Lord. We can see this at the top of the painting in these two half circles right near the ceiling. On the upper left, we can see the angels uh, carrying the cross. Then just moving towards the center a little bit, we see an angel carrying the crown of thorns. And on the upper right, we see angels carrying the pillar to which our Lord was tied for his scourging. At the sign of the cross... How great will be the wailing of sinners who during life disregarded their own salvation, which the Son of God purchased at so great a price. Mary, the queen of angels and saints, will come to assist at the last judgment. And lastly, the eternal judge will come seated on a throne of majesty and light. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with much power and majesty. In the upper middle of the picture, we can see our Lord with the Blessed Virgin Mary just to his right. Our Lord is in the act here of rising from his throne of the clouds. He has his right arm raised as if he is about to pass judgment on the damned. The sight of Jesus Christ will console the elect. But in the reprobate, it will excite more pain than hell itself. Then will be verified the prediction of St. John that the damned will call upon the mountains to fall upon them and to hide them from the sight of the angry judge. And they shall say to the mountains and the rocks, fall upon us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. But behold, the judgment already begins. The books of conscience are opened. We can see this. We look back where the angels are blowing the trumpets. 
The two angels in the very front of that group, right above the altar cross, are each holding books. The angel on the left front of the group is holding a smaller book, and the angel on the right front is holding a larger book. And look towards whom the larger book is being held. The judgment begins. The witnesses against reprobate will be first the devils, who will say, Most just God, declare him to be mine, who is unwilling to be yours. The judge himself who has been present at all the insults offered to him will give evidence against the sinner. He will make known to all men the most secret and shameful sins of the reprobate. He will expose to view all their secret impurities, injustices, and cruelties. They can offer no excuses. The sins of the elect will not be manifested, but will be covered. But now comes the sentence. The sentence of the elect and their destiny to eternal glory shall first be declared that the pains of the reprobate may be increased by the sight of what they have lost. Come, ye blessed of my Father, possess the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He will bless all the tears shed for their sins, all their good works, all their prayers, mortifications and communions. The Most Holy Mary will also bless her servants and invite them with her to heaven. And after these blessings, the elect, singing alleluias, shall enter paradise to praise and love God for all eternity. If we look to the left of the trumpeting angels, we can see the elect ascending into heaven, and we can see all around our Lord and the Blessed Virgin, uh, the ones that have already arrived. For example, right next to Our Lady uh, is just immediately to the left, with his back to us and holding his cross, is St. Andrew the Apostle, whose feast day is today. Just below Our Lady, we can see St. Lawrence holding his gridiron. Just to the right of St. Lawrence, kind of below uh, our Lord, slightly over to the right, is St. Bartholomew. That's him holding his own skin. He was skinned out alive. Slightly above and to the right of St. Bartholomew, we can see St. Peter holding the keys. He's turned towards our Lord. A little to the right of St. Bartholomew's skin, we can see a man holding a cross. That's St. Dismas, the good thief, with his cross. Right next to him is St. Blaise, who has two their cards for carding wool. They're kind of a comb, if you've ever carded wool. Just below him, we see St. Catherine of Alexandria. She's got that half arc. That's part of a broken wheel with the blades from that device that was supposed to kill her, but it broke apart, so they had to behead her. Immediately to the right of St. Catherine of Alexandria, we can see St. Sebastian. He's stepping up onto a cloud, and he's holding arrows up in his left hand. And those arrows in his left hand is right next to the leg of St. Simon of Cyrene, who's carrying a great big cross. After this sentence, the judge will turn to the wicked and say, Since you have renounced and despised my grace... Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Be gone from me. I wish neither to see nor to hear you evermore. You cursed, go, and since you have despised my blessing, go accursed. And where, O Lord, will they go? Into fire, into hell, to burn in both soul and body. And for how many years? For all eternity. For as long as God is God. After this sentence, the wicked shall take leave of the angels, of the saints, of their relatives, and of the Blessed Mother. 
In the middle of that valley, a great pit shall be opened into which the devils and the damned will fall. If we look to the right of the trumpeting angels, we can see the damned being dragged down to hell by demons. And if you look closely between, beneath St. Catherine of Alexandria on the right, on the, on the, la, on the cloud on the right about halfway up, you see St. Catherine and St. Sebastian. Right below them you can see the angels, they're beat, they're, the, the, even the good angels are beating the damned down into hell. So you can see them beating the damned down into hell. Just look at the, look at despair on the reprobate. Uh, that's uh, just immediately to the right of the trumpeting angels. She's all kind of folded up on herself, got one hand hanging on her face. This look of despair. What have I done to myself for all eternity? If we look just to the right above the altar, we can see imagery that Michelangelo uh, drew from the Divine Comedy of Dante. There's a boatload of dam that's just reached the inferno. And we can see the demonic boatman, Karen. He's whacking the damned off the boat with his oar. He's right above the crucifix there. That's him whacking the damned. And there they are. We can, see, we can see in the lower right corner, devils dragging them off the ship of the damned into hell. Oh God, they will see those gates closed, never to be opened. Never. 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 For all eternity. Ah, my Savior, my God, what sentence shall I receive on that day? If, O my Jesus, you now demand an account of my life, what could I say to thee? But, my Lord, you are always ready to pardon all who repent and flame me with thy holy love so that I shall never again think of separating myself from thee. O my Jesus, save me. Mary, my hope, my refuge, my mother, help me. No one has ever been lost or has had recourse to thee. To thee I come, have pity on me. We live in very, very serious times. Jesus is alive. He knows what's going on. He sees everything. We must keep the commandments. We must stay in the state of grace. We must forgive those who hurt us. Practice love and compassion for our neighbors. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and care this life. And a day come upon you suddenly like a snare. Watch at all times, praying that you may have strength to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is alive, and he's coming.